Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. To kick off our first education episode of season four, we have an interview that's going to get you prepped for your football season. And any other fall season. Really any other contact (laughs) sports season, I'd say. Right. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the Q Collar. And if you have not heard about the Q Collar, it is a new... Actually, no, it's not new. It's been around for about eight years. And if you're still confused on what that is, you may have seen it on uh, on TV. I've seen I've seen some football guys wearing it. Yeah, it's the little thing you put around your neck that's that's uh, supposed to put some pressure on and help reduce some subconcussive impact. So, yes. and don't let us do this little intro over here. We're gonna yes, let this Kim, is why we did this interview. This is exactly <laughs> why we have an interview. So we invited on Kim Barber Foss, who is a certified athletic trainer and associate research scientist. And so much more, which I'll let Randy introduce in a second. But essentially, she has done eight years of research on the Q collar, and we just wanted to pick her brain about what is this. Where we wanted to know from someone who's been involved in this, for people who have been living under a rock and have not <laughs> known about this for eight years, what is this? Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I feel like when when we first saw it on TV. Like, oh, what what do they have there? That's kind of interesting. I wonder what that's for. So, Dr. Kim Barber-Foss received her Bachelor's of Science from North Dakota State University. She received her Master's of Science from the University of Oregon, go Ducks, and her PhD from Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. Currently, she's an Associate Research Scientist at Emory University School of Medicine. There's really so much to talk about with this cue caller. We talked about um, how, to, how to implement it with a team. How does it work? What it is. What, what it is. <laughs> what does it do? Who has it been studied on? Mm-hmm. Um, how long can you wear it? How do you size it? Are there sizes? Like th- We talked about so much in actually uh, just a short amount of time as well. Yeah. So um, without further ado, let's get started. All right, Randy, you want to get us started? All right, let's do it. So overall, what what is the Q-Caller? Well, it's an interesting and innovative device that um, is kind of a silicone C-shape that's got a, a spring on the inside that you wear around your neck, and it puts a little bit of pressure on the external jugular vein, which we like to think of as creating like a backfill and a hose. So that little bit of pressure keeps a little bit of the blood from flowing out down the jugulars and creates a little bit of extra blood that's in the space around the brain, which helps decrease slosh. So that movement of the brain inside the skull. I feel like that's kind of, I mean, I think when people think of that, they kind of think of the of a woodpecker, right? Is that what was kind of inspired by? It is. Uh, when Dr. Uh, David Smith kind of thought this idea, you know, the woodpecker is one of the things that kind of in, inspired him. Because if you think of a woodpecker, you don't see them falling out of trees with brain injuries and concussions, you know, hitting their head repeatedly against there. But it has a tongue that wraps around their omohyoid. And every time they put their head forward, that tongue puts a little constriction around their anatomical features, which would be similar to the human's jugular veins. And so that's kind of what led him to develop the whole uh, prototype and concept of it. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really fascinating. You think, you know, you see an animal that 
bangs their head over and over and over again and then and they're not getting hurt so what are we doing that yeah what can we do to be like them right and you know everything's kind of inspired by by nature and by animals and trying to adapt you know what's working for them and how can we adapt it for humans so what role exactly does the cue caller actually play with um, impacts, like subconcussive impacts? Well, what we found in a lot of our research is the subjects that wore the cue collar, we did like preseason testing. We monitor them throughout an entire season with um, accelerometers to actually quantify and measure the impacts. And then we measured them at the postseason. So what we did is we do a lot of neuroimaging with an MRI. So we're actually looking at anatomical structure of the white matter of the brain. And we also did some connectivity. So looking at some functional measurements and fMRI. So kind of what we found across all of our research is that the subjects that wore the cue collar had less structural changes in the white matter of the brain over the courses of a season. And they also performed better on functional tests, you know, on fMRI and connectivity issues. So it kind of leads you to think that it may have a potential protective mechanism against these white matter changes. What kind of functional tests did you run? Uh, Well, we do like fMRI where they have to do a task in the MRI where it's like some button pushing or they're having to do some counting. So we actually can look at the firing patterns in the brain during those tasks. Wow. That's really cool. Um, how did, uh, how did the subjects feel about wearing it? Like, how did it make them feel while they're wearing it, whether playing or even afterwards? Generally, we didn't have any negative comments at all. Um, we didn't have any adverse events with any of the subjects we've had across any of the studies. Typically what we'd see is some of them would report a slight flushing feeling in their face when they first put it on. And then that usually subsides really quickly. And then again, as soon as you take it off, it's almost instantaneous, you know, that ex- little bit of extra blood flows out and everything all returns right back to normal. So we didn't have any issues of like syncope or anything like that. It was just basically a little bit of basal f- facial flushing. Which makes sense because you're getting like extra blood flow in that area. Right. Have you tried on the cue collar yourself? I have. Yep. And I experienced that, you know, I haven't worn it myself for <laughs> you know, extended periods of time are gone about hitting my head. But yes, definitely coming into it, you know, when we first started all this as an athletic trainer, you know, we're, you know, we're skeptics, we want to question the science. So I was really skeptical at first until all of the studies that we're doing, all of them seem to be having a lot of similar results. But yeah, I've, I've tried it on. And, you know, I didn't feel any like issues at all. As the studies went on, I mean, I became such a believer in it. I made my own son wear it when he played oh. football for his senior year. So, oh, awesome! That's really cool. Well, did did he mention anything like the same? Like when he put it on, he didn't feel like it was impacting his mm-hmm. play at all or anything like that. Yeah, no, nope, not at all. And I mean, he was a lineman, so I mean, you know, they're not the overly active players. They're the you know, get down and up you go. But yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> He never said anything in either. You know, we had really high compliance with the athletes with all of our studies. Hmm. That's awesome. That's that's tough to do, especially with like an intervention studies to make sure the compliance is high. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what the, 
the worst group kind of in terms of compliance. It wasn't any of the boys, you know, any of the football players, because they're used to wearing all the equipment, but it was mm-hmm. some of the female soccer players. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because they didn't want to wear it. You know what their main issue was? They didn't want the tan lines on the back. Of the oh, my gosh. So we <laughs> I had several girls tell us that. You know, so I'm going to get a tan line there. So. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Priorities. Yeah, priorities. Exactly. We were talking yep. to to uh, Dr. Batia, who's a, a back surgeon, and mm-hmm. he was um, on our podcast previously, and we were talking about like after a spondy, um, you know, some people they'll do a back brace and, you know, you can't lift heavy things. So like a backpack, you can't wear a backpack, but, uh, you know, you want you want to recommend like a rolling backpack. And he was like, you try to get an adolescent to, <laughs> to roll a backpack. Yeah. yeah, no one wants to be the rolling backpack kid. <laughs> Definitely no. not. No. Um, I'm I'm glad you hinted at that because when most time when people like talk think about the Q caller, like they see it on TV, like oh, like during a college football game or like something like that. But what other populations did you guys kind of look at um, using the Q caller? Well, for our research, I mean, we started way back in just like clinical lab based trials where we had, they were actually students from one of the classes I was teaching. They came in and did a bunch of lab-based metrics because we wanted to make sure that it didn't actually have any um, implications on performance or function or physiological issues during the lab. And then we've looked at hockey players was one of our very first studies that we did. We did a crossover study with some high school hockey players. We've done football. We've done soccer. Um, We did some uh, NASCAR drivers as part oh, of a wow. tolerability study. Yeah. And then oh, we even did really like cool. a really large ultrasound study, actually measuring, you know, how much the jugular vein is compressed. And that was just any subjects from like eight to 80. So just <laughs> general population wearing it to test it for that. You know, since our research, a lot of lacrosse players are now wearing it as well. So it's really one of those things that isn't tied to a specific sport, really anybody could wear it. Anybody that has the potential for any type of head impact, you know, could wear it and benefit from it. That's actually, I didn't even think about, I guess, general population because, you know, the first thing you think of repeated head impacts is football. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I think of. Um, But I guess like car accidents or something that even like recreational activities. Construction. Oh, construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you this think of people a- with, the, with the jackhammer, right? Yeah. You have all that vibration that's traveling up through their bodies. You know, maybe that's a potential population as well. Right. Yeah, right. that's true. You know, anybody that's exposed to any type of blast wave exposure, you know, demolition people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Military. There's that too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, big, big yep. military aspect too. That's yep. crazy. So, so really, it can even transcend, you know, across sport. Sports just kind of where the initial idea came from and where it started, but has implications beyond sport. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So do, can any age group wear it? Did you guys look at like young populations versus, I know you said like up to 80? Yeah, it's really not age restricted at all. Like a lot of the lab-based studies that we did, we did look at you know, younger populations, because we also wanted to measure, you know, their response as well, you know, to make sure that the little compression on the jugular vein wasn't excessive or anything, that it still fell within what would be the normal parameters. 
So really, since it, you know, it's, it's an instantaneous on and instantaneous off, really don't foresee any issues with age-related. Have you seen any sports that it might be cumbersome to wear it? Like, like the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is like the aquatics, like water polo, right? Have you have you guys looked at that, like how it deals with water or how the, those athletes feel about it? Uh, personally, we haven't. But with the way the material is designed and the way it kind of grips around the neck, being exposed into the water really shouldn't make any issue because it's kind of like a okay. silicone sort of base. But, you know, we personally haven't studied that athletic population at all. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So just so I've, I've seen it in pictures. I've never seen one in person. Um, what is it? You said it's like a silicone material is, and it just, is it the weight that it sits on or does it like clamp on? Like, how does it fit? It actually fits on the, the contours of your neck. So when you put it on the back of your neck and it sits kind of above your Adam's apple and it just sits kind of right here. Um, and just puts a little bit of pressure on the external jugular vein. It just kind of, some people like wearing it higher. Some people like wearing it lower. It doesn't have like a specific spot where it has to be. It'll kind of naturally gravitate to the contours of your neck and where it fits most comfortable for you. And it also relates to like the sizing. So there are different sizes of them. It's really important to wear the appropriate size for your neck. You know, we kind of talk about like, you know, men's shirt collars, you know, Mm -hmm. their shirt sizes are based upon the sizes of their neck. Well, it's kind of the same principle we would measure their neck and that would dictate the size that they wear. Because sometimes if it's too large, it's going to be touching, you know, your, your trachea or may feel funny talking. And sometimes if it's too small, it's just going to be sitting out in the muscles and it may be ineffective. So yeah, it's, it's appropriately sized for your particular neck. For that sizing is the, the cue collar itself adjustable or do you have to buy a certain size? You would buy a certain size. Okay. It's not really adjustable per se. It's flexible, so it it easily mm-hmm. um, opens and contracts. But they are based on your specific sizes. So I mean, you know, potentially if you bought one you were when you were younger, you would potentially mm-hmm. have to buy a different one as you got older and bigger. Got it. Um, so how would you go about implementing that for like a team? Would like it? Let's say um, our school would want to buy like one for a certain team, like, or like a set for their team, could they use it year after year and just like buy a bunch of different sizes and have them fit? Or would it have to be like specific athletes and it, and then like it would transfer like with the same athlete year to year or like, how would that, how would you implement that? I think you'd most likely want to just go athlete specific. So you would just want that athlete to wear year after year. I mean, they're easily cleaned. You would just wipe them down like a little bit of disinfectant, just like any other like athletic equipment, medical device. So, I mean, they're clean that way. Um, But, you know, as long as everybody's the same size, you could probably interchange them. But it's probably easier just to give them to like each athlete. and So it's their device that they would be wearing. Mm -hmm. Do you know... Um, how long, like durability wise, I don't know how long, how long the Q collar has been around and how you've seen the durability over the years. As far as I know, it's actually pretty good. It doesn't really have much breakdown. I mean, over time you may have a little bit of laxity that starts to occur on the internal, um, mechanism in there, but in terms of like the long term, I'm not totally like, 
I'm sure how that relates. I mean, we didn't have any, definitely with any in-season or even a couple of repetitive season degradation on the devices. And at, at the end of our studies, we would actually send them back and they would actually measure the, the degradation. We didn't really have that issue, but I can't really quantify in terms of X number of years, months that that may relate to at this point. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know though. Just kind of what you've seen, just it holds up pretty good. Um, so that's awesome to hear. And it sounds like there's not a lot of features on it that would necessarily like break, break down. down. Yeah. It, it's really a pretty simple device when you think about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's innovative, but it, it's really, it, it's pretty simple. So that's awesome. And there aren't all those parts to fail. So. Yeah. Right. Have you had any instances of them falling off during sport? Falling off? No, but they are designed with that flexible nature that we have had athletes, you know, that have ripped it from behind and like pulled it off. And it kind of, mm. since it has that quick release, that's kind of a safety feature that's built into it too. So if someone goes to pull it off, it's, it's going to just come off that way. You know, the athlete that was wearing it isn't at risk of any potential injury or negative consequences of it being pulled off. But um, oh, yeah, we don't really good. see them falling off the way it's designed is to see, you know, it really kind of cups around the neck so they don't just mm-hmm. fall off on their own. When like starting the cue collar, you know, I bought one, I'm ready to try it or kind of the same thing. I'm implementing it into a team aspect. Is there like an acclimatization process for the cue collar or you can just add, ah, here you go, wear it. You're good to go. You can just put it on and wear it good to go, but we really liked giving some acclimation. So with our studies, what we typically did is we had them wear it for 10 minutes the first day, and then they would take it off. And then we went up to 15, 20 minutes. And then by the third day, we generally let them wear it for an entire practice, but just so they kind of got used to the feel of it. And especially when we started with football, you know, it's usually warmer. You're trying to get used to everything. So we kind of built it in to the acclimation period of getting used to all of your equipment. And then that way too, I mean, it maybe has a bit more of a, a positive effect because if you're just getting used to it, you know, you're adapting to it a lot easier. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you've implemented this a couple, at least a couple of times um, across different teams, different populations. Um, and I know that there's a difference between us talking about it reducing concussions or it reducing like subconcussive impacts um, or like the the effect that it plays. How do you kind of distinguish that when you're talking to a team? Well, the way I kind of approach it is I don't really say that it has an impact per se on concussion, because if you have a hard enough hit, you're going to get a, a concussion, mm-hmm. you know, potentially. But what we've studied is the actual physiological responses. So actual like the white matter changes of the brain, which are like quantifiable and so that's kind of where, in terms of our research, we've focused in that aspect of looking at the potential protective mechanism it has against these actual anatomical structural changes that are typically seen as a result of repetitive head impacts. And then, you know, try when I would talk to parents when we'd be recruiting for our studies, you know, we kind of always presented it as, you know, it's a potential protective mechanism. With, where we've never had any adverse events, you know, we can't say it, it's going to stop you from getting, you know, that concussion. But if you look at long-term 
effects now that we're seeing in a lot of the research, you know, especially looking at CTE, it's not necessarily related to concussion. It's related to volume and magnitude of these subconcussive impacts. So if there's mm -hmm. a way that we can try and prevent anatomical, structural, functional changes over time from the, rep the small repetitive impacts, to me, I think that's more the win-win long-term. Could that also, the, the protective effect on the actual, um, the actual anatomical structures and their, their function, could that also maybe in, play a role in, okay, if you did have a concussive impact, could it lighten the symptoms that you have or maybe the duration of the symptoms? Or is that hard to it, say? It's really hard to say. I mean, maybe that potential is there. Maybe, you know, if, if you're wearing one and you've decreased that slosh, and you mm -hmm. take an impact, you know, maybe it, you won't have as many signs or symptoms because of that reduced slosh. I mean, that's Got kind it. of speculative and theoretical. You know, <laughs> it makes sense intuitively, theoretically, but, mm -hmm. you know, can't really, you know, say yes, that it does. Of course. Um, do you know how long the cue collar can be worn? We had some athletes that would put it on a pregame and not take it off until the end of the game. We had nice. others that would put it on as they were going onto the field and then take it off and, you know, put it on their thigh or their upper arm and just kind of wear it when they were actually on the field. So it really depended upon like your mm -hmm. individual athlete's comfort because since it works like almost instantaneously, so if you put it on as you're going onto the field, by the time you're on the field, it's fully activated. So it really just depends on, what uh, what the athlete wanted to do but there aren't any consequences for wearing it the entire game because as soon as you take it off that little bit of blood flow decreases and you're kind of you know back to what you were pre-wearing it nice some people just like to put it on and forget it <laughs> <laughs> i feel like game mode i feel like that would yeah. what i would think would make yeah. more sense but and it's good that it seems like that's something that people have been able to do is kind of just forget about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think we saw that a bit more with the football players. You know, they're so used to wearing equipment, they would just put yeah. it on and be done. Whereas more of the soccer girls tend to, like they would put it on when they would when they were on the field. But if they were just, you know, if they were off or waiting to um, sub in, they would just typically not have it on. And then they would put it on before they would go. Nice. Yeah, I think that's something that we definitely like all worry about is like adding something or mm -hmm. um, in so many aspects is something that could either mentally um, affect their game, could physically affect their game, could um, just affect the way that they move. Because, you know, if you're if you're paying attention to this thing all game instead of paying attention to what's happening on the field, you know, that could be potentially dangerous. Yeah. Right. So if it's something mm -hmm. that you can forget about and just kind mm -hmm. of just continue on your game. And it just has these extra benefits. I could really see how that would benefit a team. Right. One of the first studies we did kind of tied into that. We wanted to look at, you know, are there any potential, you know, performance changes or aspects? So when we brought the kids into the lab, we actually had them perform a bunch of tasks. Like we did motion analysis. We did strength testing. We did reaction testing nice. without the collar and then with um, a collar type device on just to see if there was any impact on performance or if they were thinking about things differently, if they were responding differently. And we actually found that there were, there were no differences in performance with or without it. And then we have the other 
you know, we all heard kind of like the gladiator effect. So that was another concern we're worried about. You putting this on, do you then think you're invincible? Yep. So we did like a big a tolerability study as well, where we did a lot of questionnaires with the athletes and even with the football and soccer, we wanted to ask them, you know, do you feel like you are more protected? Do you feel like you're, you can play differently? Do you feel like you can lead with your head or, you know, is that less mm -hmm. of an issue to you? So we wanted to make sure that there wasn't that kind of physio, the, the psychological gladiator effect as well. And from what we found with the athletes is they didn't interpret their play or performance any differently wearing it versus not wearing it. That's good. I honestly, I think there's a big difference between where it's also located on your neck versus a lot of these something. helmet covers yeah. have something on the top of your head or different helmet techniques that they're coming out technology that they're coming mm -hmm. out with. And, you know, I think that with something on your head, it's a lot easier to think I'm going to lead with my head. Yeah, I can use my Absolutely. head versus with the cue collar. It's not located on the top of your head. You're never going to hopefully lead with yeah. your <laughs> neck. Right. 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 Absolutely. So it just, it just makes more sense. I think that's something that when I've been in conversations looking into some of these helmet covers and, mm -hmm. you know, that's just one of my biggest fears is, you know, what are we, first of all, what's how, the perception? what's the perception from the athlete's perspective, but also how are we marketing this? Are we telling them that it's making them safer, that it's yeah. making them invincible? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And the whole uh, helmet cover is a whole other interesting topic of discussion. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> so kind of along those lines, right? We've talked about everything that has so far been seen with the Q-Collar, but what research still needs to be done on the Q-Collar? Well, I think looking at other populations will be ongoing research. Mm -hmm. You know, you brought up earlier about the military. I mean, I think that's probably... Um, a population that could potentially have an interest in exploring this further. Mm -hmm. And I really think, you know, just the expanding out into other areas of study and population, then looking also at, you know, a lot more longitudinal and long-term and continuing to follow them year after year. You know, we've done a couple of seasons of follow-up athletes, but, you know, what are we going to see in five, 10 years? You know, are we going to see that there is that continued a protective mechanism. Perfect. Is it time yep. for action? It is just like what concussions, <laughs> you know, uh, command of us and it commands action time for the action item. So here on AT corner podcast, we love to finish off with an action item, which is just something that listeners can take away right now from if they completely forgot about everything else that we talked about, just one final topic that we just, like to put some action to. Um, and today's action item, we just want to know, what do you want people to know about the cue collar? I want them to know that it is based in very rigorous scientific studies. It's not something that was just thrown together and put out there. There is a lot of solid science behind it for eight years now. Wow, that's awesome. And you've been involved for how long? The eight years. <laughs> yeah, wow. We started, wow. And we started with all the lab studies. You know, we did elastography studies, 
all the MRI studies, the clinical trial studies. So, yep, been a while. <laughs> that's awesome I to mean, be there every step, kind of that every step of the way. Yeah, it's kind of like being a proud parent, you know, when it <laughs> finally, finally came out to market. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, all these years of work and, you know, seeing it come to fruition. Oh, absolutely. And I love the fact that you sprinkled in that you were, you know, you were a skeptic in the beginning too, and now your own son's wearing it. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's important to be a skeptic. I mean, that's how you move science and innovation forward, Mm -hmm. but not being a skeptic to the point where you discount potential innovation moving forward too. Right. That is a fine, fine balance too, for sure. Yes. Yep. Right. Well, it sounds like we have some more research to do looking into all of this and yes. hopefully you guys got a lot of this out of this as well um you got anything else randy nope that's perfect thank you so much kim this was so great yeah this is awesome my pleasure so what i thought was really cool um was just understanding how much evidence is behind the q caller and how long they've been looking at this and looking at those effects that they're talking about, like, hey, it does this, this, and this, to make sure it does this, this, and this, right? So I really appreciated being able to digest that, hey, this this isn't like, yeah, it seems new because maybe you're just now seeing it like on TV or maybe seeing an athlete or two have it now, but this is not a new necessarily idea. Right, and I think that's the one thing that people just, like we, like Kim said over and over again, like, you need to be a skeptic yeah. and it's important. However, you also need to realize that there are things that address your skepticism. Yeah. And before you just go all out, like, no, this is not for us. Maybe just take a look at some of the things that you're worried about. Yeah. And it also helps that decision making process of, Okay, we have, there's all these different kind of interventions that, you know, may address concussion risk. And, you know, as you're deciding through these, right, this one, you can say, hey, there's this much evidence behind how it might be able to do that, as opposed to maybe some other ones don't have a a ton of literature necessarily behind them, or especially if it's coming down to a cost thing, right? Like some interventions cost a lot of money. Well, if I'm going to put a lot of money into something, hey, I want to make sure we're getting something that's actually going to do what it says it does so um that's another nice thing just kind of having that out there to be able to help in that decision making process absolutely so if you guys are new every other episode we do is education or stories we are back for season four um so this is really exciting big stuff season four baby really really exciting so we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode, which some other education episodes are actually eligible for CU. So be on the lookout for those. It is a reporting it year. Is, and it's it's getting close. It's getting that time. Right. Speaking of, we also still have MedBridge CU. So if you're interested in a MedBridge subscription, it's good for a year. It's good for this reporting year. And, and the next. The next reporting That's year. Right. If you If you purchase it now, you can get $150 off if you use code ATCORNER at checkout. Check the show notes below. Um, And then also, we do every other episode as stories. So we take different topics and we um, basically take experience stories from athletic trainers all over the world and we compile them into one. Um, We're working on the topics for you. So you can check those out on our Instagram. 
um maybe on our threads who knows oh yeah uh, we're that's trying, we're that, trying to figure this out <laughs> we're diving into well like everybody is right it's, right. A, it's a new thing what, right. what's going on um also on our facebook group which is facebook groups facebook.com slash group slash at corner podcast um only been saying that for three plus years <laughs> can't forget that no um so go ahead and check that out i have it as a pinned post i guess mm-hmm. um with our upcoming story topic so if you'd like to submit one of those or you can just email us at atcornerds at gmail.com and i think that is all yeah all right that was perfect thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape bye <laughs>